Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series for 2008. Now here is Pastor Scott Floyer. What a great opportunity to talk about why do we, what do we believe. When we talk about things and life, you know, and how does it happen, we'll go through a series called I Doubt, and we've talked about areas of life where we doubt, and we talk about areas of life where we have to have faith, and we're we're talking about different areas that we have to believe in. And so to be honest with you, when, when I sat down this week, um, I had just gotten back from, I spoke at a camp in Montana, and I got back and Ken said, okay, here's the topic. It's, you know, what do you believe? And I, I looked at that and went, that's a great question. For who? You know, how do I walk up here and go, okay, what do you believe? <laughs> and then tell you what you believe. I'm not going to do that because that wouldn't, that wouldn't be right. I could tell you what I believe. You know, I can tell you a lot of things that I believe. I believe in my wife. I love her. I think she's a righteous babe, okay? All right? I believe in my kids. You know, I, I believe that God is in control of their lives, and I'm not. I love the saying that, you know, as a parent, I'm responsible to my kids. I'm not responsible for them. Because if I say I'm for them, then I'm taking God's job. <laughs> I've seen his job. I don't want it. You know what I mean? You know, so when we talk about what do you believe, there are a lot of things we can look at. I believe that football is the greatest sport ever on the world. I know there are many other countries that would disagree, and they'd say, no, we have real football, you know. Kick the, and <laughs> that's soccer. I can't do that, you know. Um, I, I can tell you that I believe that God has given the church to the world for a reason. I believe that the church is important. You know, I believe that there are places in the church that we've messed up big time, you know. I believe that... God has given us an opportunity to love and care for people, and sometimes we can't get past our own nose to do that. I know some of you are looking around going, man, that dude's got a big nose. No, I'm just, you know what I'm saying? We, we've forgotten certain things about who God is, and so as we talk about what do I believe or what do you believe, I want you to really think about it. What do you believe? Because most people say one thing and they do another. In fact, there's a statistic um, in Barner Research. It says that every it su- survey suggests that nine out of ten Americans believe God exists, but less than one out of ten has a personal relationship with Him. It says of an estimated 218 million people in the country, 170 million of them call themselves Christian. 83 million of these born again, supposedly, but only 75 percent of these have a biblical worldview. That says that there is little, a little over 2.5% of the population actually say and do what they believe. So if we're talking about what do you believe, what do I believe, we have to go back all the way to the New Testament where Jesus asked the same question. He was standing there with his disciples and he asked them the question. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look into Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 38. And if you have a Bible there on the chairs next to you, that's page 999 and 1000. If you have your own Bible, you better figure out how to look it up real quick. And if not, look inside your program. Inside the program, there's an insert, and that's the very first thing that's on the front of the page of that insert. Now, once you understand, I am reading from the New Living Translation, and it says this. It says, Jesus and his disciples left Galilee, and they went up to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. Philippi, sorry. As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you're one of the other prophets. Then Jesus asked, who do you say I am? 
Now think about this. This is a group of guys walking along the road to go into their different places. It's, it's like when you're on a family trip or you're with a group of buddies or a group of friends and you're in the vehicle and you're driving along and you're just having conversation and all of a sudden someone asks a question. You ever been in that case where you're just driving along and someone asks a question and the whole car goes quiet? Because the question really, ooh, how do I answer that one? You know? I'll never forget when my oldest daughter, you know, we're driving in the car and she goes, Dad, what is sex? You don't think the car went quiet? <laughs> and of course, my wife turned to me, she goes, you're the youth pastor, answer the question. <laughs> I'm going, oh, Jesus, help me now, right? Because there's two other kids in the car going, yeah, what is that? <laughs> we'll talk about this later. <laughs> you know, but it's one of those things. Jesus says, who do they say I am? You know, the question we can ask that is, what do people today say who Jesus is? If you ask different people, you're going to get different answers, just like the disciples gave. You know, some people, oh, he was a nice guy. He did a lot of cool things. You know, he made water into wine. Can't be bad, right? You, you get all these things that people say. He's a prophet. He's a good teacher. You know, but no one of those answers that the disciples gave was really what he was looking for. So that's when Jesus turned around and he says, okay, who do you say I am? See, and that's what we've got to walk away with this morning as we're talking about what do, we, what do we believe or what do you believe or what do I believe? We have to answer the question, who do you say Jesus is? Because to be honest with you, that is the cornerstone of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Now, some of you may have come for the first time and you're going, you know what, I really don't know what it means, this Christian thing or going to church or what does it mean to be a follower of Christ. I'm still trying to check this out. Well, good. If you're trying to check this out, I'm going to give you some of the basics, one of the, the cornerstone of what we have to walk through when it comes to finding out who Jesus is, okay? First thing is this, is we're going to walk through this together with the disciples. So he turns to him, he says, okay, who do you say I am? Now, if you know anything about New Testament, if you know anything about the disciples, you know that Peter is always the first one to open his big mouth, all right? Sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes that's a bad thing. I mean, you have the discussion of when Jesus is walking across the water, the disciples are in the boat, everybody's freaking out, they think Jesus is a ghost. Jesus says, okay, if you know it's me, then you know, come, out on the, you know, come out on the water with me. And Peter's like, I'll do it. Now, I'll personally, I would have loved to have been in the boat when that was going on, don't you? Because all the disciples are going, glad Peter said it, I don't want to, right? Or Peter said it and they're like, I wanted to go first. <laughs> it's like a group of kids. It's my turn, right? So Peter says it. Peter, this is what comes down. Peter replied, you're the Messiah. Now, notice what Jesus turns around and says. He says, you know what? Uh, he warned them not to tell anybody about him. You know, I, I'll be honest. This kind of confused me. You know, when I, I, I thought, okay, isn't that what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to tell people about Jesus, and we're supposed to talk about what it means to have a relationship with him. And Jesus turns and looks at Peter. He says, you know what? You answered well, but don't tell anybody. You know, that's like telling someone that they have the cure to cancer, and you say, but we've got to keep it to ourselves. That'd be kind of hard, wouldn't it? But, but it goes on, because Jesus knew something about his people. Okay, then it goes on. It says, then Jesus began to tell them that he... The Son of Man would suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the leaders. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law, he would be killed. And three days later, he would rise again. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and told him he shouldn't say things like that. Now, I don't know about you, but there goes Peter. I relate to Peter. 
you know, open mouth, insert, size 11. You know, I, I just really, because could you see Peter? You know, Jesus just said, I'm the Messiah. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. The religious, and Peter's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's step this. You can't talk like that. I know I just said you're the Messiah, <laughs> but you can't talk like that. See, this is the correlation you have to understand. Is Peter said, yes, you're the Messiah, but did he really believe it? Did he really believe it? Because immediately he turns around and says, Jesus, you can't talk like this. Number one, I think it would be confusing for them because he's thinking, okay, why are you saying the religious people are going to be the ones that kill you? Why are the leading priests? I mean, for them, this would be a, a big change in their philosophy of faith. In big because the, the religious leaders, those were the guys that you were supposed to follow. So why would they do that? Well, we know that if you've read through any of the, the, the New Testament, it talks about how the Pharisees and the religious people were the big, biggest hypocrites of all. And so Jesus is saying, these people that are supposed to be your leaders, they're going to be the ones that fall first. Okay? They're the ones that are going to come after me to kill me. And notice, Jesus turned and he looked at his disciples. You've got to understand, notice what he said. If you read through it, it says, he looked at his disciples. So what I'm thinking is, you know how in a group of people, when one person says something, and automatically everybody else in the crowd doesn't say anything out loud, but they kind of whisper behind. Oh, did you hear that? Oh, you know, I've seen it. I coached girls volleyball. <laughs> I was on a bus ride with it. See, this was in Montana where everything is two hours away, right? So we would go on bus rides for our volleyball game. And it was amazing how one person at the front of the bus would say something and it would just travel through that bus and you hear that and by the time somebody gets to the back and go say what would you say about my boyfriend you know that whole thing you're just like oh my goodness what happened I, this is the picture I have of what's going on with the disciples Peter says something or Jesus says hey I'm gonna die I'm gonna suffer uh, and and then again you know I want you to stand uh, three days later I'm gonna raise again could you just see the disciple what and they start whispering among themselves but Peter in the back goes what he goes up and grabs Jesus you can't say that Jesus turns to him and he says, notice it says very sternly. This is the part about Jesus that many of us miss. Right? Do you understand? It says very sternly. He didn't go, Peter, let's have a conversation. Okay, let's talk about this. Let's share our feelings. Okay? That's not what Peter said. That's not what Jesus does. It says very sternly. I could see Jesus grabbing Peter and looking at him and saying, shut your mouth. Okay, you know what it's like when your dad did that when you were younger? He had that one amazing grip on the back of your neck that you felt like paralyzed your whole body. You ever had that one? You know, it was like, and as a kid, you just went. You know, could you see Jesus grabbing Peter? We forget about this part about Jesus. He was passionate about what he, what he was doing, who he was, and how he was going to make a difference in this world. And when Peter steps up, he grabs him by the neck. Huh? This is figuratively. <laughs> I don't read that in the Bible. <laughs> He didn't do a rear naked chokehold on Peter, okay? That's not what it says. It says, Jesus turned and looked at the disciples, and he said to Peter very sternly, get away from me, Satan. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Now, I want you to understand, as we walk through this, this description of what he says to Peter is the exact same way that he spoke to the demons that possessed the young boy. Jesus wasn't playing around it. It wasn't a conversation. It wasn't sheriffing. It was, you need to shut your mouth, get behind me, because you have no clue what you're talking about. Now, after he said that, 
He has to turn around and look at everybody. He says, okay, then he called his disciples and the crowds to come over and listen. If any of you wants to be my follower, he told them, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross, and follow me. If you're to try to keep your life for yourself, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, then you will find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul? If a person is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of that person when I return in the glory of my Father with the holy angels. I mean, Jesus turned around and he laid it down. He, did, he dropped it right there and said, okay, enough discussion. Everybody come here, listen up. This is the deal. Either you're going to say you follow me or you're not. Either you're going to say what you believe and back it up with action. Notice the difference in this. Jesus wasn't just talking about what do you believe. This isn't a philosophy class where we're going to throw out a bunch of different ideas and have a discussion about it. Jesus said perfectly plain and clear, this is how it's going to go. Okay? I am the Son of God. I'm going to die, and in three days, I'm going to rise again. No discussion. And so if you're going to believe me, then you're going to do a couple of things. See, we have to really look at this and say, what do we believe about Jesus? Because that is the cornerstone of what we're talking about. If you want to be a Christ follower, then you have to really know who Christ is, right? If I'm going to be a husband, I've got to know my wife. I've been married 16 years. I'm still figuring that part out. You know what I mean? Now, <laughs> I don't mean to say that in a bad way. You know, it's a relationship. She's probably, I know there are days she walks in and goes, God, please help the man figure out what he's doing, Right? You know, I know there are days that there are prayers that my kids are going, why? What? He's weird. God, help us. Figure, you know, it's part of that relationship. There are days in my life as a follower of Christ that I go, I don't get it. I just don't get it. But you know what? The thing that I go back to is I believe who he is. I may not understand everything that he, he does in this world, but I believe in who he is. And that's what I pray for my family, that... They look at me and they go, okay, that's our dad, that's our husband, you know, and you know what? We believe in what he's doing. Because, you know, I look at families and certain families and nobody trusts or believes in each other at all. You know, it's hard. So for us as followers of Christ, if we want to say we have a relationship with Jesus, we've got to start with him. So how do we do that? Well, we've got to understand that our life has to match up with what we say. And to be honest with you, Overall, that's really not what people are seeing. I read a book. It's called Unchristian. It's a uh, study of unchurched people, people that don't go to church, okay? Now, I, I, I like to say unchurched because I don't want to say irreligious or irspiritual, not unspiritual, because people that don't go to church, that, that doesn't mean they're not spiritual. You know, they, a lot, I've met some very spiritual people that don't go to church. And there are a couple of reasons why they think that they don't need church, okay? It says, in our national surveys with young people, we found three most common perceptions. By the way, the young people they're talking about is from the age group of 18 to 41, okay? By the way, that's the most unchurched generation in the United States right now, okay? So 18 to 41. It says, in our national survey with young people, we found three most common perceptions of present-day Christianity, they're anti-homosexual, held by 91% of young outsiders. Judgmental, held by 87%. And hypocritical, held by 85%. These big three are then followed by the following perceptions embraced by a majority of the young adults. Old-fashioned, too involved in politics, out of touch re with reality, insensitive to others, boring, 
not accepting of other faiths, and confusing. Did you know that this age group makes up 34 million people in the United States right now? So are our beliefs being portrayed and given out in actions? If you were to go by this survey, probably not. So what do we need to do? Well, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We believe that the Bible is God's word. So how do we take that and put that in action? Okay, there's a couple of things. First thing is this. We need to let go of our plans. We need to let go of our ideas of what we're supposed to do. And that, you know, I'm not saying that you just walk in blindly and go, Jesus, I'm yours. Where do we go? You know? For me as a kid, growing up and going to a very conservative church, Anytime talk to, someone talked about giving up your plans of life or whatever, they automatically <laughs> relayed to me, that means you've got to go to Africa. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to go to Africa. I want to go maybe if I'm going on a hunt, but I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go do something. They have this conversation that it always falls. You know what? I believe as we look at this, as we give up our plans, part of giving up our plans means we have to rely on him. If we believe who he says he is, then we need to believe that he he is going to do what he says he's going to do. And that's what I mean by letting go of our plans. So I want everybody to go like this. I want you to take your hands and I want you to go like this, okay? Take your hands and go like this. Hooked on phonics, did you good. Okay, there you go, okay? You're going to do this? This is giving in to God, all right? I want you to take a picture. This is giving in to God everything I have. Wife, children, husband, job, school, this is a picture of you saying, okay, I'm, I'm giving in. Because this is usually what we do. We hold on to it. See, that's where Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, daily, you need to pick up your cross and follow me. See, action is we follow Christ. We need to, we need to follow. Proverbs 16, 3, it says, commit your work to the Lord, and then your plans will succeed. It doesn't mean that the ideas and the heart that he hasn't placed in you to be a director, to be a computer genius, to, to be an athlete, to be a musician aren't things that he doesn't want you to go after. But you know what he's saying is commit them to me. Commit them to me. Second, in Proverbs 69, it says, we can make our plans, but the Lord, he determines our steps. That was easy for me to say, right? We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Make plans, but understand that those plans may change. I'll be honest with you. I never planned on being a pastor. Never ever. Was farthest from my mind. I wanted to be a police officer. That's what I wanted to be. I mean, that's what I went to school for. That's what I joined the army for. I wanted to be a police officer. I was taking the test in Denver. All of a sudden, my, my mom comes up. She says, you know what? You, you really should be working with students. I think God's really, you know, kind of place some things in you to work with students i'm like no 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 i i don't want to i don't want to do that youth pastor at the church i was attending at the time he says you know what why don't you go with us on a rafting trip we need a couple of adult leaders so why don't you go with us so i went with them i thought hey this is great practice to be a police officer right <laughs> people do something wrong i get to bust them Woo, you know so go on this and i see this amazing weekend of rafting and kids singing and kids actually talking about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm like, wow, this is kind of cool. He says, you ought to join. No, 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 I don't think so. Huh. Then there was a Sunday morning, pastor stood up and he says, you know what, I know there's someone in here. God is tugging at your heart to be a youth pastor. And of course, I'm looking around and going, who is that fool? 
who is he talking to? In the next five minutes, I'm standing up in front of the church going, okay, okay, I'm done. I'm giving up my plans. I'll be honest with you. It's not easy. I hate it when I hear people say, oh, become a Christian and all your problems will go away. <laughs> Liar! <laughs> Liar! It makes things sometimes worse. Because now God has set a standard in my life and placed something in my heart that is different than everybody else. And so if I have to go against that, that's not easy. So we got to give up our plans. you got to understand, denying yourself is not the same thing as self-denial. We need to take up our cross and follow him. From the human point of view, we're losing ourselves. But from the divine perspective, we're finding ourselves. When we live for Christ, we become more like him, and this brings out our own unique individuality, the way he's gifted us. Okay, so we need to let go of our plans. We need to give in, okay? Next thing is this. We need to put others first for the sake of the gospel. We need to put others first for the sake of gospel. We need to step back. We need to not think of ourselves only. That is our natural inclination. Let's be honest, all right? You see somebody that's got something you like, you think, I want that, right? I know it. It's hard. It's horrible, I see guys pull in on new motorcycles, and I'm like, praise Jesus, I want that, you know? <laughs> those are those things. But I have to step back. Now, notice what it says. We have to put others first for the sake of the gospel. That means if we're members of a church, that, that means if the church is crowded, we go sit out in the foyer, not the person that's never been here before. That means if the parking lot is crowded, I park furthest away so someone that may never have been here gets to come in first. That means if I am wanting something and maybe the finances I have and God has placed something on my heart to help an orphanage or to help a mission, you know what? My things can wait. So I want you to think about this. We've got give in, okay? And I don't want you to think give up like this kind of give up, okay? <laughs> I, I, I quit. I give up, right? I'm not thinking of that, okay? I, I'm more of a po positive kind of go for it. I want, you to I want everybody to go like this. Everybody go like this. Raise a fist. Right hand up in the air. My wife's going, I don't want to do this. <laughs> See, this is what we're saying, I'm giving up. I'm giving up to the power of Jesus Christ. Okay? It's, it's a powerful thing. It's not a... Right? <laughs> I saw some of you. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> you know, that's... Okay, because when we give in and when we give up, there are amazing things that happen. John 15, 13, it says, and here is how it is, how to measure it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. That means I've got to step back. Jesus has got to step forward. That means I've got to, again, go with what I believe about him, and what I believe about him is what he says he's going to do, so I've got to step back and let him be in control. This is a very hard thing for me. I like to be in control. I like to say I've got it figured out. You know what? There are days that I just go, <laughs> I don't know. And I walk home and I do those things and I'll go, honey, I don't know. And she goes, you better. I'll go, okay. You know? But we need to, we need to, we need to remember we've got to give in. We've got to give up. And the next thing is this. We need to follow Jesus. We've got to go after him. Okay? We've got to go after him. Luke 14, 26 says, if you want to be my father, you must love me more than your own father, your own mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. Yes, more than your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Okay, so we've got give in, we've got give up. Now, the Olympics are coming, 
And I love watching the Olympics. I especially love track and field. I love watching those guys run because they are fast. I mean, we're talking breakneck fast. Some of those, and what kills me is they get done and they're not breathing. They're like, hey, that was fun. You know, I'd be the guy in the background going, oxygen. <laughs> no, you know. But they come across. But if you watch a relay, there is a point in time where you can have teams neck and neck racing around the track. And as a guy goes to pass the baton, he drops it. That's where most races are won and lost. Is that the baton pass. So when I say we're going after Jesus, I want you to go like, I want to act like you're passing on a baton. Okay? Because really what it is, is we're not passing on the baton, we're reaching for the baton. Because Jesus is the one passing it to us. You know, and if you look in track and field, they're not looking back. You ever notice that? They're not looking back. They may start out finding out where to, but then they get here and then the person says something, they start taking off and the pass is still there. They're not looking back because if they look back, what happens? Stumble, slow down. The race is won and lost at the transfer. What are you doing when it comes to following Jesus? Are you always looking back? You know, I, I believe that we, if we've entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, there are two times we look back. We look back to celebrate what God's done in our life. Maybe it's through addiction. Maybe it's through um, a, a poor relationship. Maybe, I don't know. But we look back and we celebrate those things. Then we also look back at times and we feel guilty. See, I believe that's, that's the other captain of the team. I think that's Satan. He wants you to feel dumb. He wants you to feel like a loser. He wants you to feel like you have messed up so big that there is nothing God could do with you. See, that is a lie. That is a lie. And maybe you're here, sitting here for the first time and you're going, you know what, that's the way I feel. I'm here in church, and most of the time I feel guilty when I go to church. Don't feel that way. Want to know why? God loves you no matter what. He sent his son to die on the cross for you no matter what. And I believe there are people in this room that can share with you stories of how their life has been changed by Jesus Christ. And that's only because they gave in. They gave up. And they went after following Jesus. Because they're waiting for that. But when he placed that Holy Spirit in their life, Boom, they were off and running. Now, the only difference is in track when we run with Jesus is when he hands off the baton. I want you to get this picture. This would be crazy if you saw this in the Olympics, okay? The only difference is when he hands off the baton, he keeps running with us. I think sometimes he's running behind us going, go on. You can do it. I think he's running beside us, whispering in our ear, understand, keep going, fighting. I think he's in front of us going, you better catch up. I'll be honest with you, that's where I feel like he's at most of the time with me. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I'm tired. Okay, you know. But we've got to think those things through. What do you believe? And what do you believe about Jesus? These are two questions that we've got to think about for the rest of this week. Okay? What do I believe about Jesus? Do I believe he's the son of God? Do I believe he came and gave up his life for me? Do I believe that he has the power to heal? Do I believe he has the power to change lives? I'll be honest with you. This question I had to answer myself huge when I was standing in India. Huge. I'm in India. We're at a little um, church in a village. Their, their church was actually like this little grass hut kind of thing. And as I'm standing there, the, the pastor that was in charge, who's in jail by the way, because he stood up for Jesus Christ, um, he's standing next to me. He says, okay, we're now going to 
we're now going to pray over these people. We're going to pray that they're healed, that God is going to heal them from their sickness and their ailments. I'm like, oh, okay, I can do this. I've, you know, I've seen that. I can do this. So I get up there, and we're praying over people. One of the guys with me, he's a, a landscape um, He's, he's a landscaper. He owns this company. And he walks up and he goes, what are we doing? I said, we're placing our hands on people when we're praying. He goes, oh, I don't do that. I said, why not? He goes, I've never done it. I said, no time like the present. You know, so jumps up. You know, I, he, he got to turn to me. He says, I can fix their sprinklers. That's <laughs> okay, bro. It's all right. So he does that. I have, uh, there was another guy with us, Jay. He was a, a physician's assistant. He was working on people. He says, man, do, do I give him medicine? I said, no, you're praying over him. I'm like, we can do this. We're praying. Halfway through it, pastor comes up and he grabs me. He says, there's a lady outside that wants you to pray with her. I said, well, tell her to come in. He says, no, she can't come in. I'm like, okay, why not? He goes, well, she's got some problems that the other people wouldn't be accepting. I'm like, okay, so go outside. Stand there, little lady, short little lady. She opens up her veil. Her nose is gone. Her jaw is gone. She has leprosy. And I, I immediately went, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute. He's like, well, place your hands on I'm like, is, is this, you know, safe? Okay, you know, in my mind, I'm doing all this. And immediately he turned to me and he goes, why? Don't you believe God can heal her? <laughs> you know, I just couldn't believe that he had just gut punched me, just dropped me. And I looked and I had to decide. Did I believe Jesus said who he says he was? Did I believe that in the Bible where it says that the Holy Spirit dwells in you is the same, gives you the same power as he gave me? Do I believe these things? Because I'll be honest with you, I, I, there were, in, there's that flash in your mind where you go, nope, not going to do this. And I put my hands on top of the slate, and as I started praying, I lost it. And I'll be honest, it wasn't for her. It was for me. Because that was a point in time in my life where God said, okay, put your money where your mouth is. Do you believe? And in my heart, I closed my mind, and I, I closed my eyes, and I prayed as hard as I could for this lady to be healed. And I looked at her face, and she, went, she was crying. She had her two kids with her. Did she walk away healed? Nope. But I was. I was. Because that came that point in time. You know, I had, I had been speaking to churches. I had spoken to people about prayer and faith. And it was that point in time that I had to decide, what do I believe? This morning, what do you believe? Now, the next thing is this. Maybe you're a follower of Christ. The question I have for you is, what do my actions say about what I believe? What do my actions say about what I believe? If you are a person that says, yes, I'm a follower of Christ. I go to Northgate. I do this. And then you are outside and you're doing something totally different. Uh, be a personal. I, I, I'm just going to ask you to do something for me. Keep your mouth shut. Because if your actions and your words aren't matching up, please keep your mouth shut. I tell our students this all the time. There are enough hypocrites in the world. We don't need to add to their numbers. What people are looking for is someone with an honest, real relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, some of you may be going, oh, that's kind of harsh. <laughs> Wham. Because I personally believe, and throughout this week for me, Jesus has had a hold of my neck, just like Peter. He said, wait a minute. Don't say that. Get behind me, Satan. Because I believe that as we look at this, what do my actions say about what I believe? People are dying to see someone back it up. People are dying to see someone back it up. 
Now, does that mean we're going to be perfect every time? Heck no. You know what? That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm trying to be. Because Why? Because my God is. I'm not, but I'm going to strive. I'm running that race. I'm chasing after him. I'm getting pushed along, whatever you want to say. Because I have given in, I've given up, and I'm going after Jesus. Where are you? The question is, what do you believe? And do your actions relate to other people what you believe? So this morning, I'm going to ask some of you sitting here, what do you believe? Where is Jesus in your life? I could care less about which church you go to. The question is, what do you do with Jesus? That, that's the ultimate answer. Maybe this is the first time you've been here, and you know, I've been going to different churches. I've been involved with different areas. I've been involved with addiction. I've been involved with all these things. And you know what? I just don't know what to do. Well, this is, I'm going to be a flat-out, honest, right in there. Understand that Jesus loves you, and he doesn't care where you've been. He does care where you're going. And he wants to have a close and personal relationship with you. And the only reason that I can say that is because I've given up. I've given in. And I'm going after. Um, right before we left Arizona, our next door neighbor's house got left locked. It was a whole sordid affair. The police showed up and they said, can't get in the house. I walked over and I did some work on a door and opened the door for the police officer. And he goes, what do you do? I said, I'm a youth pastor. He goes, really? I said, I haven't always been a youth pastor. <laughs> He goes, you got in there really fast. <laughs> I say that because I haven't always been a youth pastor. I didn't want to be a youth pastor. Where are you at? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.